Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio production. I think that's really it's very ymca of you it's I, I appreciate that i'm doing my like see no evil hear no clap do no clap of the three you know we the, all just we had our own yeah it's the like and when you're on stage and like your guitar is hanging so like you can't do like a regular clap one, like this two, three, so you got to do the four. really like exaggerated over your head. Yeah. in front of thousands of you gotta people really yeah. pump yeah. people up that's what i do to yeah. pump myself up to, to pump yourself up. Yeah, my, my pump myself up is also involved with clapping, and it's just like, don't get the clap, don't get the clap, don't get the clap. That's, that's a different kind of clap. <laughs> oh, that's a different kind. Oh, I'm sorry. I get confused all the time. We don't, we don't, we don't do that here. <laughs> it always ends with a niche. Uh, so, <laughs> hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I am Caleb, but spooky. <laughs> and uh, we have a special, this is actually a bonus episode for us, and we have a special guest with us uh, because we're doing this really cool thing. We have writer, director, actor, producer, improv, voiceover. Wait, am I missing more titles? I feel like you have your business card must be like a, like a sheet of paper. It's just my website and a picture of me in a fat suit giving the finger. <laughs> but uh, check it out, joshesmindhouse.com. Uh, Gardner, I uh, brought Bogan Via back to life. Um, I can literally prove it on my, uh, my, my yard. Hey. Um, just, just water. Who would have thought? Um, and, uh, recycler. <laughs> yeah. So we have, uh, uh, as mentioned, uh, the writer, producer, director, actor of, uh, scare me, a brand new movie that came out today on shutter, uh, exclusive to shutter. Um, and, uh, you know, like, you know, we've mentioned this before. We don't normally, we normally do our like, Hey, how good is this movie? Should you watch it at the end? You should fucking watch this movie. Absolutely. Like, you should absolutely be watching this. Like stop the podcast, go watch the movie, come back and listen to the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Listen to the podcast and then go watch the movie a million times. <laughs> but hi, Josh, Josh Rubin. Thanks a lot for joining hi. us. Hi. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you you dig it. Oh yeah, no, it did was. You get my Venmo? Did you get my Venmo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a wink, a wink. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so so we're gonna talk about the movie Scare Me. So we will uh, preface that this movie is exclusive to Shutter. Um, which if you head on over there, if you don't already have a subscription. What are you doing with your life? Uh, but if you don't already have a subscription, um, definitely check it out. There's there's a free trial as well. So if you get the free trial and then just play the movie over and over again, that would be very helpful uh, for everyone. For Josh, that would be very helpful for Josh. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely check out the movie. And there's a lot of other cool things on Shudder, um, especially if you're a fan of horror films. Um, you're definitely going to want to... Uh, you probably already have it already, and you're like, shut up, idiot. Just talk about the movie. I already have Shudder. Which, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've shouted out Shudder at least once or twice here. Like, we don't we don't dip into horror too often, but when we do, like, get Shudder. Colorado yeah. Space is on there. Might as well. Fucking, uh, like, They've got a rad seven-day trial. I mean, guys, what are you waiting for? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Get into a little Nicolas Cage, a little Carpenter, a little Vertotica. You yeah. know what I mean? I, it's, it's crazy. It's all there. Yeah. Got to do it. So... So we so we said that this is I mean a horror like we don't do horror per se very often but Josh would you classify this as a horror film? Uh I would say perhaps not traditionally it's probably more of like a dark comic thriller with horror elements um but I did set out to make a quote unquote horror comedy uh I think by nature of the fact you know there might be a little blood and a little creature effects Yes, I think it uh, technically could be under the umbrella, but but no, it's um, I don't think it would make a good pairing to Hostel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, those are on the other side. I think that would be the word, the most off base <laughs> double billing. Yeah. <laughs> Eli Roth and Josh Rubin present a weird night. Which is <laughs> just a real weird night. It's going to make you feel awkward. It's a real, it's a really, really I just, that, that like, that like film series would be like, you would see, you know, body parts hanging out and then it would cut to you and you're just like, hey, 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 hello, how are you doing? And it'd be like, hey. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it'd be great. Just uh, a talkie with, uh, you know, psychosexual undertones and legs. <laughs> just off. legs being chopped. Up. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, uh, so in watching this movie, um, my, like, I, I got about 20, maybe about 20, 30 minutes in. And I was like, this is what happens when you give improv kids a budget and a camera. And because <laughs> it's exactly what I would expect of like improv weekend camp. Cause it was amazing. It just, running around and like you guys telling the stories and stuff was, uh, it was fantastic. Well, you know, limited budget. I only had uh, performance, performance humor and one werewolf hand. Um, that's kind of all, all we had, I mean, what else but, uh, but ultimately we ended up making a, you know, a, a sound designers movie and a composers movie. And it makes for something pretty, uh, pretty different, which, you know, hopefully, hopefully is, is enticing enough and appealing enough for horror fans or, you know, any kind of film fan to be like, okay, I check out a movie where, you know, three people talk in a house and make noises. Um, you know, they say, write what you know, and I know my Crypt Keeper impression and walking like a troll. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, like, I'm picturing you, like, actually heading up a reboot of Tales from the Crypt, and uh, I think the world needs that. Oh. <laughs> it would be a dream. I think M. Night Shyamalan was at one point going to helm that, and then nothing happened. So I don't know if they pissed off John Kassir or, uh, <laughs> or something. Or is it Mark Kassir? Anyway, yeah, I just, um, I don't know. That would be a dream. In your court um, now. This whole thing came about, actually, because my, yeah, my manager sent Shutter a cut, an early cut of the movie, because I wanted to 
direct an episode of the new Creep Show, which didn't happen because you know they get horror icons, uh, directing icons, and legends from Savini to Nicotero to do that. But um, uh, I uh, just you know inadvertently they they saw it and were like, we need to have this, which was crazy. And so here we are, ish. <laughs> and that's I mean it's awesome, and it's uh, uh, it's exciting when you get you know like when you make something like this and then you send it off to someone and you're like, ah, we'll see what happens. And then they're like, yeah, no, I like this. And you're like, no, wait, for real? Wait, are you fucking yeah. with me or what's yeah, up? That's, like, that's the nature of our business. Yeah. Like, you know, I was just talking to Jesse Malton who was like, every movie is a miracle. Oh, and it yeah. totally is. It's, it's a miracle. This, you know, this got, this got made. Um, and here we are, you know, thank the Lord yeah. unto the lamb, Christ <laughs> and Jesus and God. <laughs> And I love God. I love <laughs> Chris. Just, just so clearly never went to church, but just I love religion and I know the, the lamb. There's a lamb. There's must be a snake. Anyway, <laughs> there's there's some. I'm gonna have an apple now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, to to preface the film, we'll we'll give a brief overview. So um, basically, it it uh, stars or, or starts off with, we see, we see, uh, Mr. Banks, which I immediately was like, Mary Poppins, um, <laughs> father of the bride. Oh, father of the bride. Oh, father of the bride. Even- Freddy Krueger, Steve Martin and father. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Uh, but so, so you're heading off to a, a cabin, uh, in the woods and, um, you have a, a absolutely wonderful, uh, Uber driver, uh, by the name of, uh, Bettina, who was played by Rebecca Drysdale, um, who just, she was spectacular in this movie. Like she is such, such a small part, but like, gosh, so she was good. great. Just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. She's my, my homage to like a Stephen King townie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh. Yeah, I we're so lucky to have her. I basically was just looking for anyone who didn't look like a contemporary, you know, sure. knowing that Chris and Aya were going to be in this movie. It's like, okay, well, Bettina shouldn't be Kate Berlant. You know what I mean? Right. Kate Bettina should be should look like they're, you know, kind of of this obscure town. And uh, yeah, it worked out really, really great. Yeah. I'm just so glad she was down. <laughs> She's funny as hell. Oh, yeah. Super duper funny. Yeah, that was a great choice. Um, so... Uh, the drive, so you're getting driven to this cabin, and, and the goal, you know, we learned that you're there to to write. Basically, you're 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 gonna you're gonna write your great, your fantastic instant bestseller novel uh, for the first time. And uh, you know, it's funny. So so my girlfriend is an actual novelist, and she watched uh. this movie with me, and she was like. I've had this conversation so many times <laughs> where people oh, are like, let me honor. tell you about your, <laughs> she was just like, he, you know, she was, uh, you know, saying like how well it was written from like, it very much seemed like, like a writer. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. So that was, oh, so that man. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. No, she was, yeah, she loved it. So, uh, so we're getting there, you know, and, and, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Banks, Fred is, is kind of like, well, uh, and, uh, you know, she's laying on like, oh, here's here's my idea, and she lays off this fantastic like mythological idea, uh, talking about like uh, like great gods. What was it again? The the legend, the legend of Korra. Oh yeah, the legend yeah. of Korra, which which yeah. is a wonderful series on Netflix, by the way. It's an Avatar spinoff. You should no. not watch it. <laughs> which like, how did you dig that, Korra, that particular story like that deep out of the like that's from the the Torah or? <sighs> Yeah, like it's, I it's way deep uh, in the Old Testament. I don't know. I did have 
a um, that 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 interaction and that character is based off of a driver I once had, an upstate cabbie, who started to sort of go off on his great script idea, which he didn't get into the details of, but sort of talking about bad business decisions that he made, and at some point talked about like demons, <laughs> and it was so funny. Um, and, uh, it, it sort of inspired another, like what the original sort of, you know, the s- small scrappy movie I was going to make, uh, adjacent to scare me was going to be something about a writer taking an idea he heard from, you know, this kind of oddball cabbie, but instead I sort of expanded it into, you know, this, this wider cast. He, he specifically may have mentioned Cora cause I don't know, I don't know where I got, would have gotten that reference from otherwise, but, um, that is a, that is a real... Real interaction. That is, that is writing what you know. The awkwardness of I just want to rest my eyes, and they're like, "So you want to hear about my things?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is every lift drive in LA, by the way. Oh, so God, you yeah. got a headshot? I do. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I get it in upstate New York, and I'm like, dude, I there's there's like two film companies uh, that are stopped. <laughs> the the like the overly chatty driver is such a relatable story no matter what, but then you throw in like yeah. oh you do X oh like I do that too and then it's yeah it's over. I got a Necronomicon in the glove compartment. You can, just, you can read it while I'm driving. I mean it's just a whole other movie. Let's go. Let's I mean all right, let's let's do that. Just a hand comes through the seat. I mean let's make this thing claymation. Yeah. It's COVID. You ever summon the elder too. ones? Uh, you know, while, while on a particularly <laughs> yeah, right. long drive. <laughs> all right, can you hold this goat while I pull out my knife? Real quick? Hang on. We'll Goho Rinkeikyo. That's a Police Academy reference. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think. Oh, Police Academy is great. Um, yeah, so. So uh, you get to the cabin and you have your your instant writer moment. The the uh, all right werewolves with guns revenge Which, question mark. I have to say the 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 moment I saw that even in the I think it's in the trailer as well. The, mm-hmm. the uh, werewolves have guns get revenge. Uh, all I could think of is like Kitsy would come up with that. Our sound engineer. Kitsy's our sound engineer. That is a. Yeah. Now it's that's something they would totally pitch to me. Like Caleb, I have this great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. So, so on this podcast, we do a lot of like indie movies and you know, like B movies and stuff like that. And we we try to look for the movies that were like, what is the movie that someone's like, I I've never heard of that, and you'd be like, well, here's why you should watch it. Mm. You know, and we try to look. You know, a lot of the time we do end up with really good movies. There'll be many times that we'll watch a movie and we're like. Yeah, we need our buddy back for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Case three. Yeah. Yeah. No, but serious. Uh, we did a film called Sex Squatch. That was a movie That's, that somebody made. Oh, and it was like here, no. and it was it, it exists. Yeah. Better or worse than Zombievers? Oh, probably. Way probably worse. worse. Zombievers at least <laughs> yeah. was like silly fun. Yeah, like, a- well, Sex Squatch, in all fairness, did have a ska break. That was one of our. our we had this like weird coincidental <laughs> thing where movies will just have like ska musical numbers, and we don't know why. It's happened a oh few times goodness. to us. It's it's weird. Scott <laughs> it's music, um, but it was it was funny. You know, like when, when you really get into it, and you have your characters there, and everybody's telling their stories, and each one of them is like the different thing. And I'm like, these are absolutely movies we would have watched. Like these are movies yeah. that that our podcast would have covered. Have been it's like right. werewolves with guns, like. We would probably watch that movie. Thinking <laughs> back in my head, okay, which episode was that? Oh, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> that's not real. No, wait, we didn't actually watch that movie, which is pretty funny. 
So, so uh, your character he gets he gets to uh, the house. He has his writer block moment. Uh, the the uh, putting putting it under the couch and just punching it is uh, fantastic because I've had that moment on multiple occasions where I'm just like, yeah, make it stop, make it stop, yeah. make it stop. Brain do things, and it just doesn't. It doesn't work. How, how was that? I mean, was that like actual live footage of you writing the film or? <laughs> uh, the, well, the phone, you know, he was getting text messages from someone who he yeah, didn't, right. didn't want to get text messages from, uh, which we never really get into the details of who really what that is, other than that it's Meredith. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a fun Easter egg that may have to do with the, the, uh, the, 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 the bookstore employee in the end um but uh but or at least that's you know how she's credited um but uh yeah i mean you know again kind of writing what you know everything from talking to yourself you know Mm -hmm. to get yourself going to all of the not writing that goes into writing i mean so much of i'm i'm working on a tv pitch right now that's like near impossible so much of it's like i need six hours six hours to write right but that's, that's a lot of the process. It's frustrating, so especially when you're like Fred and you don't truly like do the work, as Fanny says. Yeah, um, it's extra frustrating. You get excited about an idea, but then you don't have the charge. You don't have the um, you know you don't have the angry drive in you. Like for me, the angry drive or the motivation in writing this was where the world was at. People who I looked up to, like Aziz Ansari, were you know being outed for taking advantage of women and. Um, I, a lot of guys in my network, a lot of dudes are pretty quiet on Instagram and Twitter. And all I was doing was hitting the share button. And so I wanted to explore like some sort of gender dynamic, um, especially when like, you know, dudes can't really deal with when a woman in their close circle is more successful. Yeah. So I'm yeah. truly writing, you know, writing what you know, um, you know, at least, or, or you know, what I, what I know and I'm, I'm aware of in that case, including the, you know, the frustrations of, distraction, lack of distraction, and uh, just, you know, mustering creative process. And ultimately, hey, nothing gets you more jazz than bad ideas off of other people. But are they the right people? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which brings us to Fanny. So yeah. uh, off on a run, Fred Fred meets uh, Fanny, who is played by Aya Cash, who uh, most recently you guys, I mean, technically most recently you will have seen her in Scare Me. But sort of most recently, uh, she is Stormfront in season two of The Boys, um, yeah. which is uh, which is fantastic. I you know I, I posted trailers of this. People were like, "Holy shit, is that Stormfront?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, and she's fucking yeah. great in this movie too." So yeah, which is pretty fantastic. I have not seen season two yet. I haven't started it. I got to go back and rewatch season one. But he was she's so good. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, she uh, absolutely fantastic in this movie. So we meet Fanny. And, uh, you know, there's a really great line that we're going to um, uh, talk about and bring up a bit is that uh, uh, she brings up a line when when you when you get her back, you know, the power goes out. Fanny comes over and is like, hey, the power's out in, in the cabin. Like, what's going on? And, uh, you know, you start having your moment because you realize that Fanny is Fanny is actually a published novelist and she has published a very popular zombie novel. Um, and you know that, you know, Fred sees this and Fred, you know, is, is you know, you kind of get the feeling that, you know, Fred, Fred obviously has like that jealousy factor of it um, right mm-hmm. off the bat. But also it's, you know, it's a little bit like, whoa, like, 
I'm I'm here to do this thing and you do this thing and you're here to do this thing, which I think is is fantastic. And that's how we we meet Fanny. Um, uh, and uh, Fanny says the line, um, you know, when Fred starts kind of getting a little loud in the beginning, like, are you scared of uh, waking the woman in the attic? Uh, yeah. and I think th- that line, you know, our, um, our social media manager, uh, Andrea, um, who watched, watched this movie along so she could help write blogs and stuff like that for us for this is, mm-hmm. is she was like, I mean, that just sums up the whole movie. Like that line alone of, of Fred's sort of like fear of being outshined, I guess, by, you know, like he, of him seeing someone super successful and then being like, well, no, I'm I'm writing my werewolf thing, and you know I'm the one who's going to do mm. it. Then. Like that, she, yeah, I mean that, like she could sort of, she could she could make a one sentence horror movie essentially just yeah. in that one exchange. That being the idea, yeah, I suppose you could look at it that way. I like that. I like thinking of it in that uh, in that framework. She's good, you know, and the more the more in flow these guys get as they tell stories, the more the stories come to life, and it's just effortless for her. Yeah, and so yeah, the fir- first words out of her mouth. Oh, okay. Well, you painted a picture, right? And I just struggled all night writing werewolves with guns. Dot dot dot. Question mark. <laughs> That's a question. Right. Do they get revenge though? <laughs> but do they? I mean, you got to watch Sleepers to find <laughs> out. You know, <laughs> that is a reference right there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so as we mentioned, so, so Fanny gets into the, to the cabin, you know, we've learned that they're kind of next to each other, you know, or down the road from each other. And they're both at their sort of like sabbatical retreat of writing their, uh, great novels. Um, although we have the implication that only one of them is, uh, prepared to do as such. Um, and Fanny comes in and now, uh, now that, you know, she sees that, that Fred is working and, you know, she was like, all right, well, like, what else are we going to do? scare me tell me a story tell me the story of of werewolves and like this this moment of of like sharing stories and like telling them is very reminiscent of like you know kid campfires to me like that's kind of mm-hmm. where like where where it fell in line is that is that kind of like where where you got the inspiration for it a little bit is you know like the telling the ghost stories around the campfire i think so i mean uh, I, I mostly told jokes around the campfire. I, um, I, I, and, and again, was looking for an excuse to sort of, you know, write to my strengths and some of my strengths are doing these like bizarre noises and physical comedy. So that's, that's all I was really thinking about was not only am I writing to getting the opportunity to just like, okay, I'm going to see if this, I'm going to just talk and act this crazy scene out and see if it works. And the cool thing was, Knowing too that in execution there'd be sound design and score and you know sort of in some moments practical shadow effects to bring it to life, um, you knew it would it w- it was working because the crew was getting into it. You know the crew was sort of captivated and and that was that was where at. They just set out to sort of go like you know I'm I'm gonna do this because I I want to make these sounds I want to do these ridiculous things that like I've done since I was sitting at the lunch table as a kid right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it's similar with every one of those stories until the, you know, it, it truly becomes transportive until they quite literally leave the house. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, the thing about this that was really great is, you know, a lot of these times when you get these like storyteller type movies is that they very much. 
they feel scripted. Like they feel like the person is, is, you know, recanting the lines. This very much felt like we were watching you guys like just go off and tell the crazy stories. Um, like how much of this, how much of the storytelling was improvised versus how much of it was fully scripted? Every word of it was scripted because we had 14 days to shoot this movie. And I had Aya Cash for nine of those 14 days. She was shooting an FX series at the time, Fosse Vernon. And I had Chris Red for two days and change. Oh, um, so it was, it was fast. There, that, now, you know, I wasn't a stickler for getting words right or anything word perfect. And there were moments certainly when I just opened shit up. But we, we had a job to do. I mean, when we got there, it was like, okay, cool. We have 14 pages. You know, let's like try and, try and hammer through this. And so when the actors usually got it right, we would just keep going. Or it's also why you see a lot of stuff, you know, hopefully it's not super noticeable, but a, a lot of stuff is long takes when we're doing these stories. And I tried to kind of choreograph it, block it in such a way that it was fun to watch, just story-wise. You know, she stands up from the couch, slaps, slaps her face off camera, back on, joins, you know, two guys you didn't know were there. And then as they leave, they step up close to camera. Um, uh, I tried to make it as dynamic as I could, knowing that we had, you know, 90 pages in that many days. And we still, even though we got snowed out, you know, twice, um, wrapped early twice, we, we wrapped the whole movie, uh, a half a day early cause we were ahead of schedule. It was, uh, it's amazing. It was kind of incredible. Which is also unheard of. Uh, so <laughs> kudos to you. Yeah. I think it's because that's a small movie and you had someone who knew what they were doing. And Brandon and I, my DP, um, Brandon, who's also the co-producer of the film, we, we mapped the shit out of this movie. Right. We knew every corner of it, and I, we couldn't have it any other way, especially with me acting in it. Was, I knew when I got on set, I kind of needed to hand things off to him as far as you know, what side we're doing what you know, once we sort of talk through the day and then get my makeup done, learn my lines, and be there as a good partner for Chris and Aya. Yeah. I mean, one thing that, you know, is, is, you know, the, the 99% of the movie takes place pretty much in the living room of this, this cabin, um, which also is, you know, helpful, you know, uh, company moves are, are the worst. I mean, they, you know, you knock down so many, like, it just takes up so much time to like break down, move to another spot. Like you lose, you know, almost a whole day just by, you know, packing, packing up and packing, repacking into a new spot. So that, that's great worked in your advantage. Uh, where, where was this shot? Uh, at a house in Woodstock, New York, about five to eight minutes from my childhood home. Okay. So we were able to, in a very Duplassian way, you know, right, right where you got resources, um, right to your resources. You know, I stayed at my mom and dad's house. My mom made breakfast nice. and brought treats. That's amazing. <laughs> my TP stayed there. My, um, my first AD stayed there. Um, uh, we had three crew houses, one, one house of which was a big, Woodstock um, sort of compound with a barn with a loft that sleeps three and a house that sleeps six to eight. So we were able to, you know, um, rent that house from my buddy. And that house also included their car, which was sitting dormant while they were in, you know, New Orleans or whatever for, for the winter. It was really, really generous. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, you try and try and get those little hacks out of the way to make a tiny movie come, you know, come to life. It was really, really rad. Yeah. I mean, mom crafty is the best crafty. You know, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm, that's my Jack Black, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was the face that sold the the jack fly. Yeah, no, there was many. So like, uh, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, so you have, you have your history in college humor, uh, doing you know improv. You did a, a bunch of um, impressions, and I recognized your Jack Nicholson. Uh, the beginning of the movie, and I was like, "Well, of course, because he's in a cabin out in the middle of the snow. Why would you not call to the show? <laughs> Why not do a Jack? <laughs> right? I mean, you gotta. It's you gotta do it. You gotta do it. That's all there. You gotta do one Torrance family member. <laughs> right. You can pull off the Shelly Long. Well, so yeah. Uh, so uh, so where we have it is is so I is there. She she's basically goading Fred to to tell stories. She's trying to like push him and 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 it really comes out as like she you know she comes off kind of rough let's say you know she's very blunt about everything she she calls fred out on many occasion of being like why do you think it's just you know this and he's like well gee, dude, man you know but i feel like she's pushing him to tell the, the story as like a good writer exercise like i almost feel like she's she is being nice even though it may come off as kind of like uh you know perhaps condescending or or like you know, like she's trying to egg him on, you know, to try to get him mad. But it definitely feels like she's like, no, this will be good for you. But this is how I know how to deliver it. Um, mm. So that was the sense I got. Yeah, I think I think I think that's yeah, I think that's dead on the case. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She was. Uh, yeah. yeah. So she was great. So uh, before we continue on with the actual stories and we'll get into some of the stories that are told and a little bit more of the plot, um, we're going to. Are we taking a break <laughs> for a lasagna? <laughs> we're going to have a lasagna. <laughs> lasagna. Where's my Garfield? He needs to be over here. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. Before we go to break, uh, we just want to remind everyone, if you have not subscribed yet, uh, please do so. I said subscribed, right? It kind of just fumbled out of my mouth and I feel like just. It was a mess of bees and bees. You gotta, I mean, you gotta go with it. That's what I got. I got, yeah. I got subscribed right, cool. out of that. Everyone else will. So don't forget to subscribe, guys. We super appreciate it. And uh, leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and uh, we have a merch store, which is pretty awesome uh, for all of our shows, because we have five shows. We're part of a giant network, and there are five shows and we have a merch store. And uh, Caleb, what is the as as he's drinking? I immediately asked him. Did, did <laughs> you say son of thing. a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I I pitch it to him though because Caleb loves saying the address for this store. Uh-huh. What is the ad- the website for our store? Well, you can find that directly at nsrad.io/slash/merch. Get it because it's like radio, like night shift radio. Uh, but you can also <laughs> find it linked off of our uh, network website, which is nightshiftradio.com. Well, that's. Fantastic. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition One as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back. Thanks a lot for uh, for coming back, everyone. So we, uh, when we left you, um, we uh, we left with um, Fred and Aya are now they're in their cabin. There's a power outage. Aya comes over to Fred to be like, "Hey, is your power out too?" She kind of checks in with him, and then and then they, you know, they get to doing the friend thing. They have a couple of beers. You know, they start talking about their mutual works, uh, both of which are trying to write a novel. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Aya comes up with this. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Fanny, uh, Fanny Addy. Uh, um, hello, my name is Fanny Andy. Uh, she comes up with this amazing idea to tell scary stories. That was like a dead-on impression of her, you have to admit. I'm just kidding. It was pretty good. She'll, she'll be impressed, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, so, so Fanny is like, tell me a story. Try to scare me, Fred. Uh, and so the great stories begin. And so we kick off with uh, Fred's great idea for the best werewolf novel that's ever been written. Um, mm -hmm. and that is, uh, untitled, evidently. Uh, untitled. Yeah. I noticed that I was, I was like, as I was speaking it, I was like, oh shit, did I forget the name of the title? What was the name of the title? Did he not say what the name of the title was? But yeah, untitled, untitled werewolf novel, which Th that's just what it should be called. That was, you know, you go to the store. Hey, do you have that untitled werewolf novel, uh, novel yeah. by, uh, Fred Banks? I'll take one of those. <laughs> that took so many days to shoot. We didn't, like I said, we didn't have Aya for very long. And, and pretty much any time I'm on camera uh, and she's not, she was not there. She was in New York City working. So I was reading with my fiance. Fun trivia. Oh, fun. Um, and, uh, and it was great. My fiance and I, you know, collaborating a lot of stuff. But um, that was a Tetris. For some reason, werewolves, that, that whole thing sequence took forever to like get in the can i don't know i don't know why i don't know why he kept missing pieces of it or we kept needing different angles and and uh you know we shot quite out of order so um you know it was it was fun to start with that but then jump right into the carlos stuff which is like the middle of the movie and then like go back to it after chris left and wild time aya got sick so we had had some pickup time oh, there no. i mean it's what a ride. <laughs> what a wild adventure. I So I would say uh, of all the movie, of all the different stories, um, uh, the werewolf one probably stood out to me the most for both the sound effects and the music. Um, it, you know, not only do you get the sounds of the werewolf, you get the sound of like it thudding, you know, uh, lumbering up the stairs as, as they say, um, like mm -hmm. the sound of like the throat slashing. And, you know, it was just the sound alone like that. This is really, this is the first story we hear. Um, it's the first story that's told and that's kind of where, where you see, you know, like you see them imagining it and you're seeing it from Fred and Fanny's eyes of like, you know, this is what they hear because they're picturing, they're so deep involved in the story and getting involved in it. Like, so you start to hear the music and we say, well, this is where the strings come in and you know, that and is lumbering up the stairs and the growling. And that's, it just, it hit like when you have those sound effects, even though it's just you acting it out, it's not, yeah. you know, it doesn't cut to, you know, an actual, you know, you're I feel like, I feel like a lot of, uh, uh, maybe more like crazy big budget films would actually have gone and shot that scene, you know, as you're telling it, it just would have been voiceover, but it just feels so much more intimate, so much different that it's just you acting it out. Uh, and the sound effects, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it was fantastic. I, I love Thank it. you. I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy experiment to see if this type of film can be effective. And some people are into it and some people are just like four people talking in a house. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it 
it's it's effective and it's minimalism. You know, you don't need all the crazy cuts. You don't need to leave the campfire. And by nature of our budget, but also you know by nature of trying to do something a little different with yeah. this movie. You know, we we uh, were a campfire movie, an anthology movie that never leaves the campfire, um, and uh, and it, it you know results in something very very different. So again, a sound designer's movie, you know, a composer's oh, movie. Absolutely. I mean. <clears throat> telling or listening to scary stories is one of my favorite things. We have like a whole channel dedicated just to that at work. And it's always like, wow. who, who can spook the others the, the most? Uh, so I immediately told them about this movie. They're all very excited to watch it. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved that, that like it was such a stripped down minimalist approach where like it was just, it was about the stories and about drawing you into them. Uh, <clears throat> And you mentioned very like limited use of creature effects to the point where you have like the the one werewolf hand, uh, which was a brilliant touch, by the way. Because uh, <laughs> thank you, this house is doing something, and I'm I'm wondering like how much of that was just like it was supposed to be their imaginations, or how much of it was like the point uh, where like as they're telling their stories, like these things seem to be like actually happening in this house, like. Is there something about the cabin? Uh, well, I, anyone with a good horror sensibility probably desired the house to be the result, um, which is fully understandable. And maybe you know, maybe it would have been more fun to end this movie with some you know Cthulhu walking down the stairs or emerging <laughs> from the closet. Um, but uh, but um, the truth of it is, you know, the rule. As with the creative process, you know, um, Michael, your your is it your girlfriend who's the novelist? Should probably tell you the same thing. It's like the more in flow you are, or any of us who tell stories in front of a campfire, or to our friends, the more in flow you are, the more into the story you are, and the more in the palm of your hand you feel you have the room, and the more enraptured your audience, yeah. the more it comes to life. The more it comes to life for people, you can see them sitting there on the edge of their seats, and people on the edge of their seats are either seeing something that's totally, you know, enrapturing them or, or captivating them, or they're imagining it, you know, they're, they're, they're leaving the campfire as you should be describing it. So the rule of this movie is, you know, scare me, the more committed you are to the stories, the more they sort of manifest. Um, and, and for Fanny, that is effortless. You know, yeah. Fanny can do all of this effortlessly. She's done the work. And for Fred, it's, it's an intermittent, very raw type of you know um uh, male aggressive type of type of talent it's, it's i'm going to put everything into this one and then he needs your help to kind of you know but fred does have one moment like that very early on uh just before refusing to go in the basement which i can very much empathize with i, w I would have the exact <laughs> same reaction on seeing it the basement exists nope uh but when he sits there and you're like he starts the, the vocalization of the let me out and like what is happening here and like yeah it feels like he's got this glimmer of that same kind of effortless like there's something there and then it just kind of ends i you know yeah, he really he really won't oh you muted now uh, oh sorry um he uh he really wants to you know for lack of a better better word, so I got a yappy dog. No, so do we. Yeah, dog. Shush now. We both have tiny dogs. They yap all the time in the middle of the show. Sorry, sis. You'll have to deal with Daisy. It's not mine. 
Oh, Daisy, 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 bra- Daisy brain farted me. What was it saying about Fred getting into these, getting into these stories or like the whole thing about these stories, the MO, them coming to life. Where was I? Uh, we're talking Which about is- the, like the, the brief moment of like him, like envisioning oh, the, yeah. the monster. Well, he the- wants so badly, right. He wants so badly to like get it up to do the thing. And, and he has, like many people do, everybody has ideas. Everybody's got cool ideas and everybody's got big imaginations, but that's different than sitting down and actually doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's his imagination at work. This guy, it's, it's, he's got a big imagination, but he may not have the talent or the work ethic. And that's, what's interesting. It's an interesting sort of trope to explore. Cause it's, you know, it's, that's totally relatable unfortunately yeah i mean you know uh, fanny uh, definitely brings this up you know multiple times throughout this this moment where you know each time uh fred goes to start a story you know he's sort of like well i don't know it's a troll and he lives under a bridge or something and she's like no what like tell me like pull the story out and she's having like this writer workshop with him but you can see how frustrated fred is because he's like well, I don't understand. It's a troll. Isn't that fucking scary? Like, bro, what are you trying to, you know? And she was like, no, it's not, asshole. Fucking think. Like, give me more. Um, I hear this every night. My girlfriend comes down after Zoom teaching, and she's like, fucking, uh, it's a story about a, I don't know. She was like, I, I just don't get it. And I'm like, I know, I know. Anyways. Um, uh, yeah, but so, so that's, and that's what it is. And, you know, and, and it's, you, you see Fred, he gets so frustrated. So like, and then, and then Carlos comes in, it was just fucking, uh, hilarious. So they order a pizza. I love that the power is out, but the pizza still comes fast. Uh, but the power <laughs> Cody's like, Oh, we can get a pizza in an hour. So Carlo comes play with Chris Red. Chris Red's uh, hilarious. Um, and Carlo comes in and I, you know, and, uh, Fanny is like, you seem like a guy who's into scary movies. And he was like, you would be right. And I just love how quick he was like, let's fucking go. And he's like, you know, when he tells us right off the bat, he's like, oh, this is a very murder cabin. Yeah. But they like, you, you mentioned like they order the pizza, the power is out. Like it's a very busy night for the, the pizza place, but like they're super backed up and they say like, it'll be at least an hour uh, to deliver. Uh, but then the, the pizza guy shows up and then just fucks off for the rest of his shift. And <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> for hours, mind you, because like the the end of the movie, the end of the storyteller time is like five in the morning or something. So like he's there for like f- like four five hours, and he was like, "All right, well, I, I guess I better go." <laughs> like, dude, you just and I tell you, he he mentions having. He says, "I should have been in Wappinger's Falls an hour yeah. ago." I would love to make a sequel. No one would want to see where where Carlo. We're called Wappinger's Falls, where Carlo goes to a sorority with a pizza and they all tell stories, but it's stories with like 15 college kids, which is now terrifying because you know, COVID. Right. Um, but, uh, but for him to, for Chris red to be the lead and for it to be like a cast of like younger people that kind of like act stories, I would love to do that. No one will probably want to see it, but that's, uh, that's my, I want to see it. That's your scare me spinoff done. Green. That's my scare me. My scare me spinoff is called Wappinger's Falls. So it has nothing to do in the title with being a scary story or scary film whatsoever. But boy, would I love uh, to follow Chris. Like it picks up the moment he gets in the car. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You see me in the car, like, whew, that was fun. Wipes the coke from his nose. All right, let's go. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) I'll tell you what was a scary story, though. He takes the pizza out of the box. 
And all of the toppings have fallen off because he was holding it upside down <laughs> under upside his down. arm. <laughs> I was like, dude, just, you can't hold a pizza like that. <laughs> what are you doing? It was great, though. Oh, man. So, so I mean, this is why, you know, he fucked up for the rest of his shift. He didn't care. Also, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, so, so the, the best part about this, and I think this is in uh, true writer fashion, um, uh, not, my girlfriend does not do this. I'm going to say this out loud because he is a somewhat known novelist, but <laughs> I know people who write and uh, uh, do this. And, and of course, you know, Fanny's like, let's do some Coke. And then they're off and doing some yeah. Coke. I mean, I work in Hollywood. I know how it works. Uh, Sometimes you just got to do some Coke. Sometimes you just got to do some Coke. I, to, you know, to get the juices flowing. Uh, and <laughs> we don't condone. No, that's not kidding. That's no, we totally true. condone druggies. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after three movies ago, we just covered a movie called The Binge that was about doing all drugs being legal. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I want to see that. It's very good. That's very good. That's one of my movies. That's one of the movies we made. That's, uh, it's good. So, um, uh, yeah, so they do some Coke. They have some beer. Now Carlo's in on it, and they're, they're acting out um uh uh fanny's uh fanny's book you know finally fred is like tell us your your zombie book like you know give us the thing and so you know carlo's totally into it because he's a huge fan of the book so he jumps into it and he's you know he's off and they're both acting it off and that just that scene as as the film escalates and you got you have carlo there you have fanny there you have fred there when it gets to the moment where they're you know the the uh, um the devil has has uh, possessed the the american idol person i fucking loved it that was just <laughs> fantastic uh, well you know our composers are uh, they're a duo and they're called elegant too they call themselves but it's chris maxwell and Phil Hernandez, and they've been um, composing for Bob's Burgers for great show. I mean, since the beginning. It's an amazing show. So, um, I mean, inherently, what I wanted to do was was make almost like a South Parkian like single for this movie that we'll release at some point, but a song that was like you know truly felt like one of those you know one of the tunes that like Parker and Stone would have written forever ago. And, oh, totally. You know, Chris and Phil are like true, true. Um, I mean, they're true, true musicians first and foremost, but they've got they've got great sense of humor. So I was able to, you know, able to bring that thing to life with them. It was just so incredible what they did. It's it's it remains to be one of the absolute most favorite parts of of the movie for me. I love that song. And my friend Annie Kruger, who grew up in uh, or, or who I knew when uh, growing up in Woodstock, sings it and knocks it out of the park, and it's just so damn fun. That's spectacular. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the lighting of that one, uh, uh, how uh, I think what's really great, and I guess kudos to um, to you and, and your DP Brandon is uh, is you know the way like it it keeps flipping and kind of like breaking the one eighty. You keep kind of going back and forth, and you're seeing from this you know audience perspective, and then like you know she turns and talks to the bandmates, and and then I just think that was I think that helped with like the the manic uh, uh, like emotion of that is like you know it's you know. It's it's kind of the big turning point in the film because it's right before Carlo leaves. It's right mm-hmm. before the escalation of 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 you know of Fanny and Fred and Fred. You could see that you know Fred doesn't want to do the coke and you know he was like mm-hmm. ah, I've never done coke before and you know ah oh, my nose hurts and you know you see like right, <laughs> you see him being pushed uh, to to that moment and you you feel the escalation of his emotion as as the night goes on because again I mean like. You know, I as as a as a person watching the movie, all the stories are great. But if you if you like really look at it, you can tell that, 
you know, Fred stories are are kind of superficial in a way. They're very just like, it's a monster. The monster does a scary thing. We do a thing. But Fanny stories have this depth to them. They have this, you know, there's there's emotion behind it. You know, the story of, of the Russian grandpa, you know, like that's a perfect one. It's like there's so much to that story, you know, mm-hmm. and then you flip over to the troll one. And it's like, you know, it starts off with like, well, I'm a troll because I'm a troll. Look at me. I'm a troll. And she's like, no, it's more. It's more. But why? 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she keeps yeah. pulling that out of him. And I think I think that was uh, fantastic. Um, and I think it really helps. Um, it It's it's odd because it's it's one of those moments that lends exposition and backstory like inadvertently and i thought that was that was a great touch uh, i think we kind of touched on this too where like fred really like he has the ideas and he wants it to come easily he thinks that if he just like sits down to do it it'll just happen uh whereas fanny knows that like it takes effort it takes work it takes you know really like dedicating yourself to it and like you know, you, you mentioned that's that's pretty much where they they butt heads is like she knows yeah. what it takes and like like he's not willing to really like accept that and so he kind of projects that frustration outward. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's exactly right. It's um, it's a very true thing. And dude, you know, it took me years to get to the place I'm at now, and this this script is. It's fine, but it's a patchwork. It technically is a patchwork piece. These stories were stories I'd had forever over the course of decade. In fact, maybe you know, closer to decades of ideas. If we're including the ghost dog story, which I made up when I was a kid to sound impressive, um, you know, it it's this is something I made to make fast. <clears throat> so I'm I'm you know, essentially patching these stories together to make an anthology film to get you know to get something made to you know, for the sake of, you know, making my first film as quickly as I can. And writing is, writing is a process. Mm-hmm. It's for me, I mean, I'm no William Goldman at all um, and can always use, you know, help and feedback. But it's a, such a testament to, like, the creative process and how frustrating it is and how, how fun it is. And it's like, you know, you're, you're only as good as the work, you know, you, you put into it. I, Fred is every part of me as you can possibly imagine. Um, you know, the, the laziness and the, you know, the desperation for accolades and, um, and, uh, and, and even to the, the, the intimidation and, and, and inability to self-soothe, not so personally in the shadow of a woman's greatness. I have more insulation than Fred does, especially when it comes to gender dynamics. I'm, I'm, you know, a feminist and a cheerleader for, you know, the women in my life and for all genders, but, but it's a, um, it's a very, very real thing, and ego is such a part of it. And that's also just made it so fun to play. Yeah. It's such a great squirmy topic, and he's such a you know great squirmy guy. And he's not a bad guy. That's you know, um, I think he's just uh, I think he's he's sort of you know, he's one of us. He's an average white dude. It was told <laughs> when you grow up, you're going to be a success, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to take care of everyone in your circle, especially the women in your life. And it's like when those things didn't go his way and when you know one of these strong world women he meets is at the level he wishes he could be at and it's tangible and it's right there and she's also pushing him a little bit that can be dangerous you know that that can be especially when you add add drugs and alcohol to the mix not to get preachy about it you know 
I love a good, you know, Pilsner. Um, but uh, I haven't, same, haven't same. actually done the, ridden the, the white lightning, but, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's relatable again, you know, in, a, in an interesting way. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing hurts more than being told you can do something your whole life and then being like, but, but no, actually you're not good at that and be like, but fuck you, dude. Yes, I am. I've, I've told well, myself I'm good at it. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what's, what's interesting and, and not a, this is different for every guy, but it's, but it is a peculiar thing that happens with men when you're told your whole, either you can do something or things are sort of given to us because of our privilege. Where then when a woman is in that position, especially one who maybe perhaps you've known or you know yeah. of, is sort of in that position you you can be at with your competitive bros like whoa you're making you're making that much more money huh that's cool but when jet when the gender switches something switches with us it's alien to us as men we're taught mm-hmm. to be in that position right you know so it's, it's such an, absolutely yeah. it's a fascinating thing and um, yeah it was just it was so fun to play and and uh, it's been so fun to talk about on our little our little press journey here. And yeah, Fanny is such a fantastic example of that, like not only successful, but brilliant and confident and hardworking, uh, but also like understanding <laughs> of her own flaws and like the, like, you know, she's, yeah. she's snarky and sarcastic, but she, like Michael said, she's, she's trying to push Freddie. Like she sees that at least he's got the, the spark like, is there something there? Can she like help bring it out of him? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, she's yeah. And for a moment it's exhilarating, right? Fred's like, they were on a roll mm-hmm. here, yeah. but then perhaps the most frustrating of all, and all this, you know, insecurity stems from not being heard is the third wheeling. When you're watching that person, especially in the company of another man who has the insulation, mm-hmm. and thus the respect from that, great woman from that genius woman um or person of another gender exclusive of you mm-hmm. yeah um and what that does to be the third wheel when you're not heard in the room when you were being praised when you're craving that that accolade yeah. it's uh it's yeah it's it makes all my all the guy friends I've explained this to just kind of go like, "Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, I, I understand that. Um, I know you're onto something." I'm gonna go do ten push-ups. I'll be back for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> they, uh... How about them dolphins? <laughs> <laughs> throw, throw the old pigskin around or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah. I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's meant to be uncomfortable. The character, you know, it, uh, you know, and it gets, it gets through. And so, uh, uh, so we've progressed, we've told all our stories, uh, and then the film progresses, but that's, we're going to leave that to you because you should go and watch this movie. Yes. Uh, it is out right now on shutter. It came out today on shutter. Um, so you guys should absolutely, uh, go ahead and watch this. So, you know, we'll close it like we normally do. Should you watch this movie? Well, well, Josh, should they watch this movie? (laughs) They they certainly should, and if you if you like it, great. And if you don't say anything and don't tell me, <laughs> don't. Um, it's no negative feedback. Watching please. the movie, no criticism, yeah. no negative. Because I, I truly can't deal with. It, you know? Hey guys, good vibes only, please. Thank you. Good vibes only. Well, now, what we're looking for. 
like I, I know we said that well, this isn't technically a horror movie, but it, you know, horror adjacent and like in that realm. Uh, you know, I, I said this uh, on social media as well. This is one of the best that I've ever seen, and I know that kind of that that sets it way up on, on the pedestal for people. But I don't say that lightly. Like I just like oh Caleb thank you can I ask you what why why do you think that is what is it because it's it's in its execution that it's that it's sort of different yeah what is it that makes that for you I'm curious for the you know for the fans it's and, you know for my selfish reason the uh this the, the very unique way in which like it's it presented as stories which I love I mean, we talked about it like I love I love storytelling in general I love scary stories uh, and I love this whole uh, you know the idea of the, the competition and uh, like you said the the campfire stories that never leave the campfire like how unique it is for it to be like so confined in this and like be so reliant on imagination both like yours and the characters uh, the acting was just absolutely brilliant the characters were like mm-hmm. Like flawlessly written, uh, in my opinion, and I just they, there was nothing about it that I didn't enjoy, and like um, the stuff that we're not going to spoil at the end that you have to see for yourself uh, will will make all of the setup worth it, and yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, did you yeah. see it coming? No. Okay, if you did, I'm just curious. No. Uh, so also from from watching the trailer, I definitely thought. Uh, this film was going to go more into the horror realm um, because it was like, you know, oh, they get into this cabin, they tell stories and then maybe things start to go off. And I'm like, oh, the stories are going to, you know, it's going to be like manifestation horror, you know, and I expected you tell the werewolf story and then an actual fucking werewolf comes out and like, you guys have to deal with that. And then you tell another, you know, like goosebump style or whatever. And I was like, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you you know, whatever, we'll watch this. This is great. And then when it, as the film progressed, I was like, this is so fucking clever. This yeah. is like a thriller because the thriller part of it is not the stories. It's it's the underlying tones of why the stories are being told and how the stories escalate and watching the characters, you know, watching Fanny realize the, the you know, Fred's escalation, watching Fred realize just how great Fanny is and seeing that happen, you it's it's all the undertone, it's not the, the stories, it's it's the tension it's that the tension that it builds, builds to the whole movie that is just yeah. like like mm. you're you're tightening a string and tightening yeah. and tightening you, just, you and can tightening. hear it. And yep. you know it's gonna pop at some point. Just when is it gonna happen? Yeah. And yeah. uh you know, oh, that's we, cool. I'm so glad you think that. Our uh, our yeah. social media manager Andrea, she like sent us a, a screenshot from the last like the watch, fifteen yeah. minutes of it of her watch showing her heart rate <laughs> as though she was doing <laughs> cardio. So I kept looking at mine and like no. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> mine didn't go off. I, I'm, I'm outside, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> Well, you know, to to her credit, I don't know if that's the right way of framing it, but you know, she she's a woman who's probably been in without giving anything away, but she's probably been in a similar situation. That's fair. That's, that's why. Yeah. You know, I have I have an incredible um, uh, privileged position to have Alex Bach, who's my producer, but for her for her perspective as a woman to have gone to our different vendors and investors and to say like, this is relatable for me for a specific reason that we won't spoil for you. But, you know, to have that champion was so, so uh, crucial. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Like my wife, Ellen, like she, she doesn't do scary movies. She won't watch horror movies with me, but like she did sit and watch this. uh, I think at least in part because Michael had watched it before us and said that she would enjoy it. Uh, And, (laughs) It was probably like every ten minutes or so she'd just be like, I 
I love her. She's so great. I love her. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> my, my same thing. My girlfriend was like, "Look her up. What else is she in? I need to see everything she's in." And I was like, "I, I honestly, I, oh God, I hope we can get her like an Independent Spirit Award nom or something." Oh, seriously. She's so, so yeah. fun. Oh yeah, just, she's just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like we I'm so glad we see you coming from like your background uh, of improv and like college humor and stuff like that. But like. It, seemingly from just for the, you know, the, the little bit of research we did and knowing her career, like that really doesn't seem to be her background, but she pulled it off so well. Like she really comes off as one of those people who was like, well, I've been doing improv my whole life. Like what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like she just great between the voices and the, and the everything when she does like the little kid voice. And it was just, you know, the, the Russian grandpa voice, the Slavic grandpa. I loved it. <laughs> She was down to play, man. I keep repeating her 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 joke, which I love. But you know, she, she had written in a uh, been interviewed by I think the Cut was an article um, that had come out. Fantastic profile on Aya when she was in the home stretch of finishing her time on You're the Worst, and she said, uh, "I'm looking to do, you know, to I'm looking for a challenge. I'm looking to be challenged." And I I brought her the script. And, um, you know, as she was, <laughs> as she was making this movie, she was like, you know, when I said challenge, I meant more like an act, like a period piece, <laughs> not like, not like Crypt Keeper and voices. <laughs> right. Like she's like, I'm not like you. I don't do impressions, yeah. but she does, she does a great she does. And yeah. kid and. I mean, her the fact that I got Aya Cash to say Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Howard the Duck reference, which is what I watched uh, as, a, as a double feature when my parents went to Tizzo's restaurant in upstate New York, and I was left home alone with two VHSs of my choice. And for some reason, it was Halloween 5, Return of Michael Myers, and Howard the Duck. Amazing. Uh, Howard first. Uh, yeah, to, to get her to bring that artisan part of my brain to life was so fun. That's, that's <laughs> we actually amazing. just talked about uh, Howard the Duck an episode ago because we did a, uh, uh, the last episode we did stay tuned and Jeffrey Jones, uh, oh, who right. is the scientist in, uh, in Howard the duck. Um, yeah. and we just talked about that cause we just, you know, we did stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. And fuck Jeffrey. God, Jones. what a shame. Oh, mom and dad saved the world. Uh, we There's covered that movie dog. too. I yeah. know he fucking Deadwood uh, and then child. Porn. And then child, like, Jeff, like, would you, yeah, it's the jump. Ugh, fuck, fuck Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, yeah, I know. God, he was so he was so one Beetlejuice. God damn it! Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have, trust me. We spent the entire episode being like, "Fuck you, Jeff." <laughs> yeah, I know. Just you dick. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Josh, thanks a lot for joining us and yeah. and chatting your movie and give us the insight. We we super appreciate it. Um, you know, we're glad that we were able to get a um a copy of this and watch this movie. Um, very excited. I'm probably gonna watch it again because it was just. Just really, there's so much to it uh, that I think is really great. Um, and I always love when we find one of these movies that turn out to be good um, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we did a movie called Cannibal Cop in which the cop never actually eats anyone. And we're like, then why the fuck did you call it Cannibal Cop? I don't understand. <laughs> why? You spent two hours saying there's a Cannibal Cop and then he it's fucking okay. never it's ate a, anybody. It's okay. I got it's a right. carnitas burrito thinking I would see. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's bizarre. It was, it was the weirdest. Fu- yeah, it was just fucking garbage. But Frankenhooker didn't stay at home. <laughs> Frankenhooker not. You know, she, she did what she needed to do. Yeah. Fucking, ugh, unbelievable. 
Uh, it wasn't an alive woman that didn't turn tricks. She's <laughs> she's a Frank. Um, <laughs> so, so Josh, if if uh, people were want to outside of going to you know watching your movie on Shutter, if they wanted to follow you anywhere, is there anywhere you want them to go to a website, a social media? Uh, my gosh, a Twitter, a TikTok. Um, well, uh, I would start with at Josh Rubin. You can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram there. R-U-B-E-N, like Rubin Blades. Um, and uh, from nice. there, you know, you want to keep exploring. There's probably more stuff to find, but uh, I think Twitter and Instagram is a decent place to start. Perfect. Uh, love it. So again, thanks a lot, Josh, for joining us. Um, and uh, on the special bonus episode of the Never Heard of a Podcast, uh, it's been a while, but we we finally got a bonus one in. We were just uh, saying how we hadn't done one in a while. And then this cropped up, and here we are. Uh, so uh, again- So glad it did. Yeah. I mean, I mean me too. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's all. So thanks a lot for joining us, guys. We'll see you on our next episode. This Sunday, uh, we're covering The Voices, uh, which stars Ryan Reynolds and Anna Kendrick. Um, So join us for that episode this Sunday. Uh, Thanks a lot for everyone, and goodbye! father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.